so what happened on Tuesday? New Year's, very good. So, and what do we say around this time? We say to each other, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. All right, you guys passed the first test, good. But, you know, Happy New Year, when you say it, what, what you mean might be different than what the other person means, right? We all mean different things when we say Happy New Year. Maybe you say Happy New Year, and what you really mean is, I'm so glad last year is over. Or maybe you say Happy New Year, and what you really mean to say is, I hope this year will be better than last year. Anybody? Yeah, amen, okay. Or you may say, Happy New Year, I'm so looking forward to this year because of all the adventures that I will experience. Who wants a new adventure this year? Who's thinking, I am I'm like tired of adventure. This is a recliner year for me. No, no, that can't be. All right, you really want to listen to this sermon if you're thinking 2019 will be a recliner year for me. Um, so maybe Happy New Year means for you that I want to reconnect with the Lord. Maybe you've gotten disconnected from the Lord and you're wanting Him to reconnect with you. And the way for him to reconnect for, with you is to reconnect with him. See, he's already there. He's already speaking. He's already trying to connect with you. So you don't really need him to connect with you. You need to connect with him. Does that make sense? Right? When you plug a light in, you don't say, outlet, come to the plug. Right? You go to the outlet. All right? So think about that. Think about that a little bit. All right. So today, anyway, so today we are starting a journey through the book of Romans, page 939. And, you know, I like to, um, when we get ready to start a book of the Bible, I think, well, you know, some of the pastors out there, the, the big preachers that really are gifted, in powerful ways. What what have they talked about when they preach through the book of Romans? And so I looked at uh, uh, John Piper. I said, well, what did John Piper do with the book of Romans? And and uh, to get to Romans chapter 7, he spent 105 weeks. And I thought, well, that's a lot of weeks. And that's just halfway through the book. I thought, well, we're not going to take 105 weeks to get to Romans 7. Uh, but it was helpful because he had one sermon right in the middle that was Romans 1 through 7, like he did a summary, and that was very helpful for me. But anyway, so today we're going to study the book of Romans, begin the study of the book of Romans. One of our goals is to listen for God, listen for God speaking to us. There's a lot of noise in our lives, amen? You can, you, you can go through life and have no quiet. If, if uh, I met someone... Um, I got to think of who it was so they don't get mad at me. Oh, man, who was it? Well, anyway, I didn't meet anybody, but I heard this. Um, <laughs> that you can get hearing aids that are connected to your phone. Bluetooth? Okay, it wasn't Jeff, but Jeff's saying, yeah. So how cool is that? You can have, you can have the phone going through your hearing aids and nobody even knows it. 
You don't have to have headphones in or anything. And so you're just like, yeah, yeah, what's up, what's up? And really, man, you're jamming down. What do you listen to? What kind of music, Jeff? Oh, okay. Do you get all the notifications? Like every 30 seconds, beep, beep. I'm sorry, I'm way off track here. All right, Jeff, you're an awesome man. Jeff's one of our elders, and he's amazing. And he listens for God. So we want... (laughs) See how he did that? So God's always speaking, so we need to be listening. We need to be listening. Listen for God. Listen for God. Through this journey through Romans and through 2019, let's listen for God. On August 5th, 2010, there was a tunnel collapse in a mine in Chile. Maybe you remember this story. 33 miners were trapped. There was no way out. There was no way out. They could not rescue themselves. Have you ever been a place where, like, you knew there was nothing you could do? You were completely trapped. They were completely trapped. No way out. Their only hope was for someone else to come and rescue them. And so I imagine they spent a lot of their time listening. Listening for the sound of someone coming. Listening for a drill or a bulldozer crunching through the rubble. Something. Listening. Listening. And there are probably some false alarms, right? Hey, hey, did you hear that? No, that was just a rock that fell. Oh, maybe, no. So listening, desperately listening for the sound of rescue. And they were probably wondering, maybe some of these questions went through their head heads. Is anyone coming to our rescue? Do they even know we are here and we're alive and we need rescue? Did they, did they give up on us? So they're desperately listening for the sound of rescue. Now, none of us, I don't believe, have ever been trapped underground, 2,000 feet underground for 69 days. But that doesn't minimize the reality that we all need help. Would you agree? At least agree that I need help. All right, you agree to that. But we all need help, right? And we ask these questions, the same questions, maybe a little different way, but the same questions. Will anyone come to help me? Do they even know I'm here? You know, when we minister to middle school students and high school students, so many of them have that question. Does anyone even know that I'm here? We may ask this question, did they all give up on me? So as we journey through the book of Romans, let's have this desperation to hear for God, the sounds of rescue coming towards us. So let's listen for God. Let me read the first 17 verses in Romans chapter 1, page 939 in the Bibles provided, if I didn't mention that. Let's listen for God. God is speaking through his word, through the centuries. Let's listen. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, 
called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in no power or in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Did you hear it? Did you hear the incarnation there? The incarnation. If not, when you get home, go back and read verses 1 through 4. See the incarnation. Jesus, fully God, became fully man. Verse 5, though whom we have received, or through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Did you hear him? I want to make make sure I say this before I go on, because I totally forgot in the first service. So out in the lobby, it's called uh, Scripture Journals. These are awesome. This is just the Book of Romans. And uh, there is... uh, Scripture on the left side and a place to journal on the right side. And so we are providing these. We are providing these to each other. Uh, If you want to journal your way, listening for God through the book of Romans, take one of these. I'd just like you to put your name on the list out there so I know who has them so I can bug you. No, I'm just kidding. So I can just encourage those that are are journaling their way through Romans. and. Just read and write down what the Lord is saying because we're listening for God as we study the book of Romans. So out there, if we run out, uh, I will order more and there'll be more for uh, next week. So Paul's the writer of the book of Romans. And he heard what God was saying to him and what God was saying to him dramatically changed his life, right? We we may or may not know the story of Paul, so let me um, summarize it. Paul meets Jesus in a supernatural encounter on a road to Damascus. And from that point, his life is transformed. He begins to listen to God. And as he listens to God, he leaves his old way of thinking 
and acting and interacting. And he begins to listen for God and to act in a completely different way. He begins to follow Jesus. He went from being the primary persecutor of followers of Jesus to one of the great leaders of the church. He became a servant of Jesus Christ. What he hears from God so transforms his life that he becomes completely devoted to Jesus. Not only does Paul leave his old way of thinking, acting, and interacting, but he also steps beyond that point of no return into a completely new life with Jesus. God's mission for Paul was to share the gospel. This is why Paul was here on the planet. So who was Paul? A servant of Jesus Christ. Who are you? Who are you? As you listen for God to help you answer this question. Listen for God to help you answer this question. The world has all kinds of things to say about who you are. But the only important person who can tell you who you are is the living God. And why was Paul here? He was called to be an apostle who was set apart to share the gospel with the world. Why are you here? That's another great question. God has something to say about that for you also. So listen for God. Listen for God through his word and through his spirit. And always know this. If you hear from the spirit and it's different than what God's word says, it's not the spirit. It's not the Holy Spirit. Don't know what else it is, but it's not the Holy Spirit. So the spirit always speaks in alignment with the word. Okay, just wanted to make sure that was clear. So who are you? Why are you here? Listen for God to help you with those answers. So Paul hears what God is saying to him. He believes what God is saying to him. He trusts God with his life. He's faithful to do what God has called him to do. And this made Paul a dangerous person. Paul had a dangerous faith. He's transformed by the life-changing power of the living God. And he has a dangerous faith. He's so transformed by what God says to him that he brings the gospel to the Mediterranean and East Asia and North Africa, and people's lives are transformed. Cities are transformed. We talked about that last week, uh, the city of Ephesus as an example. So Paul has this dangerous faith. He's bringing the gospel message to the world. And part of Paul's dangerous faith is that he wrote the book of Romans. He writes this book to help us understand what God is saying to us so that we also will experience the life-changing power of the living God. So are we listening for God so that we can experience what Paul has experienced? So Paul tells us in the book of Romans what the gospel is. Gospel means good news. So Paul's talking about the good news of Jesus Christ. On Christmas Eve, I hope you were here. We had a guest speaker just brought in by video just for a few minutes. His name is Linus. Wasn't that awesome when Linus came and visited? Man, if you missed Christmas Eve, you missed Linus. But Linus read to us Luke chapter 2. And I want to just repeat two verses from Luke chapter 2. And the angel said to the shepherds, Fear not, 
for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So what does Paul tell us about the gospel of Jesus Christ in Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 17? He doesn't tell us the whole, give us the whole picture, but he gives us four pieces of the puzzle. First, the gospel is a promise from God. It was promised in the Old Testament. So as you read the Old Testament this year, reading through the Old Testament, look for the gospel. Look for the footprints of Jesus in the Old Testament. The second thing he tells us is the gospel is concerning Jesus, God the Son. He's fully man, descended from King David, and fully God, declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit. He was crucified and rose from the dead. And this is the incarnation, Jesus, fully God, and became fully man. So the gospel is about Jesus. Jesus is the good news. And he says a third thing, the gospel is to be preached. The gospel is to be shared. When you have good news, what do you do? You put it on Facebook, Instagram. um, What are all those other ones? Twitter and yeah, we got signal now. We got the signal thing on my phone and uh, it's crazy. But you share it, right? Good news gets to be shared. Just think if Paul never shared the good news, you might never have heard it. Because Paul shared it with a whole bunch of people who shared it with more people. And down through the generations, eventually, some of us heard it from Paul. Down through the generations. So the gospel is to be preached. And and number four, the gospel is the power of God to save everyone who believes. The gospel rescues us. You may be asking, saved or rescued from what? Saved from our sin, saved from eternal death. Only God can do that. We can't get out of the cave we're trapped in. Only God can rescue us. And so this is what Paul tells us about the gospel in verses 1 through 17. So much more in the book of Romans to talk about. We'll get there. And it won't take us four years. No no dig on... John Piper, at all. Not at all. It's awesome that he can preach on one verse like for four weeks in a row. I couldn't do that. So this is what Paul tells us about the gospel. What impact does the gospel have? Well, look at Paul. What impact did it have on Paul's life? He went from the chief persecutor of the church to, the, to an apostle, a servant of Christ, sharing the gospel, planting churches, Uh, God working through him to impact thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people. And he writes the book of Romans, and we see his heart in the book of Romans. He wants to get to Rome. Why does he want to get to Rome? Rome is the center of the empire. If he gets to Rome and shares the gospel, people who will hear the gospel will go back to their cities, share the gospel, and the gospel will spread like wildfire from Rome out into the empire. So he wants to go there to reap a harvest of souls. And he wants to encourage and strengthen the followers in Rome. And he wants to be encouraged by them. Isn't that awesome that that Paul understood 
that even though he was the apostle, he met Jesus face to face on his road to Damascus. God's given this, given him this amazing calling that he still needs church family to encourage him. All of us need each other. We need each other's love and encouragement. You may have heard this before. There are no Lone Ranger Christians. Ultimately, Paul is rescued and transformed by the gospel. That's quite an impact on a person's life. How does the gospel affect us? Well, Paul shares a few things in this passage. He tells us that we receive grace, God's unmerited favor. Jesus went to the cross, paid for our sins, so that we could be forgiven of our sins and receive grace from God. And that grace is that the next part of grace is the invitation into uh, the kingdom of God, the invitation to belong to Jesus. When we're invited to belong to Jesus, we're invited into his body, the body of Christ, the church. So Jesus is the perfect head of the church, and we are the imperfect body of the church. Amen? All the perfect people leave before we ruin you. But we're imperfect. We're imperfect, uh, an imperfect church family. But we still say this to one another. We will help as best we can. We know you are here. And we won't give up on you. About 15, almost 15 years ago, almost 16 years ago, um, I got on a plane to go to Kuwait, to go to Iraq, and the Lord gave me this incredible peace uh, because I was leaving behind uh, Betsy and uh, six children plus uh, two uh, single women and one of those single women had a child, uh, all living in our house. and But I knew that no matter how I came back, this church family would take care of Mike. That's sincere and that's true. We will help. We know you are here. We won't give up on you. And this is how awesome God is. You know, we had we had six children plus three three more living in our home. And uh, when it was time for me to come home, the deputy said to the general, "We really need French to stay." And the general said, "Have you ever seen that family picture of his with all those people in it?" His wife would kill me <laughs> if I extended him. Those were his exact words. And he signed my orders, and I got to come home on time. Paul's rescued and transformed. We receive grace. 
we receive an invitation to belong to the family of God. And Paul tells us we are saved if we believe. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So the gospel affects us. The gospel can save us if we believe it. Do you hear it? Are you listening for God? On August 5th, 2010, those 33 miners are trapped. And they could only hope, they could only hope that someone was coming to rescue them. Someone on the surface was coming to rescue them. But they had no evidence that anybody was trying to rescue them. For all they knew, everybody on the surface said no one could have survived that. Too bad, so sad. We just got to move on. Then on August 22nd, a small drill, I think it was about four inches in diameter, breaks through the ceiling of the cave the miners are trapped in. Evidence that they were being rescued. Imagine that moment. Just imagine it. 17 days buried in a cave, and all of a sudden, there's evidence that someone is trying to rescue you. Oh, I can't even imagine. They knew now that a rescue was underway. That drill head that broke through the ceiling ignited the, their faith that someone was coming to rescue them. Jesus is the evidence that God is rescuing us. It says it in that favorite verse of ours, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he sent his only Son, and that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus is the evidence that God is rescuing us. So we don't need to desperately hope that someone will rescue us. We know a rescue is underway. The gospel should ignite our faith. Have you ever heard this or something like this said at a church service or at a Christian conference? The speaker maybe says something like this. Now, believe in Jesus, receive Jesus into your heart, put your faith in him, and your life will be wonderful. Have you heard something like that? And that's all true. That's all true, except sometimes we hear, your life will be wonderful, and we misunderstand it. What we hear is, your life will be prosperous, will be full of ease and comfort and safety. Right? That, that's what some folks hear sometimes. I've, that's probably what I've heard sometimes in my heart. So we can decide, desire for God to make our lives go smooth and without hardship. Right, 2019 is going to be the year of the recliner, right? We can want God to make our lives safe. So we take the word faith and we link it with the word safe. And we look for safe faith. But really, faith should be linked with the word dangerous. Dangerous faith. Think about those miners. After the drill broke through, it was amazing. They were able to bring down food 
and water and medicine, and they were, they were able to uh, talk with their families and supplies, just this constant stream of stuff coming down through this little hole while they dug the big or drilled the big hole to get them out. You know, the miners, they could have carved out a pretty safe and comfortable life in that cave. Think about it. They just sit around all day and people would just feed them through this hole. Whatever they, whatever candy bar you want, it's coming your way. Whatever. It's as long as it, it'll fit through a hole that big, it's coming your way. And and hey, there's only 32 other people down here to deal with. And, you know, we know our limits and our boundaries. This could be pretty comfortable. You ever wish for a life like that? Boundaries defined, not too many people, everybody just giving you stuff. The miners didn't want that, did they? They didn't want a more comfortable, safer life trapped in the cave. They wanted to be rescued so they could live a life of freedom and adventure up on the surface. If the purpose of our faith is to make our life safe and comfortable, we will miss the freedom and the adventure that God has for us. So the gospel, as the evidence that a great rescue mission is underway, should ignite our faith. Paul says the gospel is the power of God for the salvation to everyone who believes. So our first step is believing faith. You didn't believe in Jesus, and now you do. You stop trying to figure out every detail about God, and now you believe that Jesus loves you and is with you. You are trying to rescue yourself, and now you believe that Jesus is your rescuer. Growing up, my mom took me to church every Sunday. I heard the Bible read. I heard some stories about Jesus. When I was 20, a man gave me a little pocket Bible on our college campus. When I entered the army at 22, God put, God put some men in my life that loved Jesus. They began to share with me who Jesus is. When I was 28, I was at a point in my life where it's like, you know, I don't know really who I am. Who I am right now is not who I want to be and what is my purpose in life. And, and so I'm wrestling with those questions and God's working in Betsy's life, my amazing wife's life, and she comes to me and tells me about how she's given her life to Jesus. And a few weeks later, reading that little pocket Bible that I got six years prior, I'm reading it every night in my Hummer before I go to bed, while I was out in, in the training, and one night I just closed it and said, this is true, and I believe. I didn't understand the gospel. I didn't know Romans Road. I, I didn't know it, but I knew it was true. Believing faith looks like that. The gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. From believing faith, we step into a whole new world. I'll call it trusting faith. This is the faith in the realm of real life. We begin 
uh, to trust God with our day-to-day lives. Paul says that the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. God is righteous and he's revealing who he is step by step from faith for faith. And as we trust him with our daily lives, he shows up little by little. He shapes us and molds us and we begin to trust him more and more. And when life does not go our way, our circumstances aren't what we want, we still trust him because we have a trusting faith. Believing faith is a huge step, but so is trusting faith. Trusting faith means that you relinquish control of your life. Now, are any of the folks who like to be in control starting to have a panic attack? We want to trust Jesus with our lives, but we still want to be in control. Anybody feeling that? All the people who are not controlling people are going, yep, that's the controlling people, right? See, this is safe faith. Jesus, I trust you with your my life. Let me control it. That is safe faith. And Jesus says no to safe faith. He says have dangerous faith. Trusting faith is also hard for those who want Jesus to be in control. So if you're not a controlling person, yep, I want somebody else to control my life. How about Jesus? I pick him. You have a problem too because Jesus will not control your life. He will lead you. He will guide you. He will encourage you. He will love you. He will correct you, but he will not control your life. You have to decide to follow him or not. You have to decide to trust him or not. So trusting faith, is faith that follows Jesus no matter what the circumstances are around us. Trusting faith is where we walk by faith and not by sight. So trusting faith now leads to faithful faith. Paul calls faithful followers of Jesus righteous. We are made righteous by grace through faith, and then we get to live out God's righteousness in our lives. So faithful faith, faithful faith is when we simply follow Jesus because we get to. We get to read the Bible. You know how many people can't get their hands on one of these? We get to read the Bible. We get to pray. We get to worship together. We get to be in small groups together. We get to show the world love and kindness. That's faithful faith. Do you remember back in the day, I don't know, 19, late 1990s, early 2000s, WWJD, you remember that? What would Jesus do? And, and it was awesome. What a great philosophy. What would Jesus do? Okay, I'll do that. Now, the movement kind of got off track because it got commercialized and people wanted to make money off the bracelets and the T-shirts. You know, it was really cool to have, you know, the more bracelets you had, the cooler you were, right? And the, and the more colorful t-shirt with the bigger letters, the cooler you were. And so it got off track. And so now people like WWJD, uh, that's, you know. But the philosophy, the truth is true. What would Jesus do? That's what I'll do. That's faithful faith. Faithful faith is the desire to listen for God and do what he calls us to do in the everyday. And when we fall short, and we will, confess our sin to the Lord, 
and we start over with faithful faith. Believing, trusting, faithful faith. But when your faith becomes faithful, you wake up in the morning and, Jesus, I'm going to follow you today, no matter what my circumstances. I believe, I trust, and I'm going to be faithful today. I have a warning. Your faithful faith could turn into dangerous faith very quickly. In the book of Daniel, we see Daniel praying to God every day by the window. It's made illegal, and he still continues to pray to God because that's what God had called him to do. Daniel's circumstances turned his faith into dangerous faith. Daniel's faith got him thrown into the lion's den. The king didn't want to put him there, but people people kind of set Daniel up, and so the king had to put him in the lion's den because it was illegal. And so Daniel goes into the lion's den. And the next morning he comes out because God had a better plan for Daniel than to be breakfast for some lions. And so he comes out. Daniel, faithful faith, turned into dangerous faith. And this is what the king says when Daniel comes out of the lions then because of God's protection. The king says this, I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. God worked through Daniel's dangerous faith to change the heart of a king and the trajectory of a nation. Now we read in the last half of verse 17. It says, The righteous... In other words, those who have faithful faith live by faith. So we read it this way. The righteous will live by faith. We hear that our faith allows us to be faithful. Our faith allows us to be righteous. God working through our faith to make us have faithful faith. But we leave out that four-letter word, live. The righteous, we say the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. To live, we, we, we don't pay attention to that four-letter word. But we need to hear this. The righteous live by faith. The righteous live. See, live, that's dangerous. It's not dangerous to be alive. It's dangerous to live. It's not dangerous to have a recliner year. That's just being alive it's dangerous to live in romans 16 20 can we skip to the last chapter i mean we're going to come back we're not finishing romans today last chapter romans 16 verse 20 the god of peace will soon crush satan underneath your feet the grace of our lord jesus christ be with you whose feet does god use to crush satan our feet that sounds pretty awesome doesn't it pretty dangerous to crush Satan. Dangerous faith is when we step out of our comfort zones and into the brokenness of the world around us. God, when we join God's rescue mission, our faith becomes dangerous. Remember our miners. What if no one tried to rescue them?
What if the believing, trusting, faithful followers of Jesus never joined him in his rescue mission? We'd be alive, but we wouldn't be living. We become dangerous when we use, when we use the freedom and adventure that we're given to go into the darkness of the cave and help people get to the light. I don't, I don't remember his name, but the, the paramedic who went down the, the shaft into the cave to help the men out of the cave, he went down and he was the last one out. That was dangerous. We become dangerous when we use our freedom and the great adventure to join God in his rescue mission. Dangerous faith, another warning, last thing I'll say. Dangerous faith will cost you something. But God will use your dangerous faith to transform the hearts of people living in brokenness and despair and poverty and human slavery and suffering and depression. He will use us to help people move from darkness into light. Let's pray. Lord, you went on a dangerous mission that cost you your life. You went to the cross, shed your blood, died, buried in the tomb so that we could have life. And the life you give us, Lord, is meant to be dangerous. Dangerous to despair and hopelessness and brokenness and depression. Dangerous to evil. Dangerous to the devil and his schemes. Lord, we want to be dangerous. Would you help us have a believing, trusting, faithful faith as you make us dangerous? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Subscribe to the podcast now, and for more info, including sermon outlines, visit our website at www.kurtlandchristian.org.